Hello there and welcome to the Tech Means Business podcast. This third series of the podcast is looking at the individuals and companies that make and use the technology that powers business today. I'm talking to interesting people about their specializations and expertise and how their insights are shaping the way business works today in 2022. Today we're talking cybersecurity with Exabeam. Uh, Exabeam was a company that started out um, as a Splunk partner back in the day, and a company whose products are using artificial intelligence uh, to learn, if you like, normal patterns of network activity, all the better to flag any anomalous behaviours. Is it like seem on steroids? And can log files yield the answers CISOs want? These questions and more will be answered, dear listeners, by my two guests today from the company. We've got Gareth Cox and I'm Bob Rennie. Uh, guys, welcome to the show. Could you uh, perhaps introduce yourselves and give us a brief rundown of what you're all about? Yeah, my name is Gareth Cox. I'm the VP for APJ based in Sydney. Um, I've got a strong Canadian accent, but I've been in Australia around 18 years. Um, when I came over to, from Exabeam, uh, I, actually a colleague of mine brought me over from a previous company where I work with and uh, been here four years looking after um, APJ in Japan and the team has, has grown um, tremendously in the last four years. So it's been a fantastic ride. I'm Bob Renee. I am the uh, sales CTO and principal engineer for Exabeam. Um, I came over um, because I had just literally retired from Forescout, a previous company that I worked for, and the CEO at Forescout had been Mike DeCesar. And the press release announced that he had been uh, he had come over to Exabeam. So uh, I texted him, "Hey, congratulations!" And he says, "Well, we should chat. I hear you're retired." And I said, "I am." And then he introduced me to a couple of my coworkers and the chief uh, product officer. Um, and I was like, dang it, he did it to me. He got me to uh, fall in love with another company in technology. And um, the rest is kind of history. It's, we started talking, found some numbers that were agreeable and um, allowed me to continue to play and be an engineer for a few more years. Let's start off talking about Exabeam and what it does. Um, back in the hazy days of my memory, this is a long time ago now, back when I was a jobbing sysadmin, um, I thought I knew what SIEM was. It was essentially grabbing um, log files from, I don't know, routers and uh, maybe intelligent switches, dragging those log files into a database of some kind of uh, type and then running queries on that data um, in order to try and comb through and work out uh, what had caused a security incident or uh, where something was misfiring, for instance. Um, have things moved on? Am I still in the right uh, ballpark? Gareth, I'm going to ask you that one, I think, first. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, s the security operations has changed drastically. Um, you know, what you just described there is, is, you know, the traditional security operations where there was a lot of manual processes, um, you know, people were putting a lot of logs into uh, a SIM, hoping to get some value. There, there are a lot of noise. Um, and, you know, they're always struggling to try and figure out what is normal and abnormal on that. Um, what Exabeam tries to do is that we're really trying to help, you know, automate the investigation and try to help the analysts uh, answer complex questions quickly 
so they can look at the risk of what is happening within your organization. Um, so what we do is that we, we add machine learning and statistical models, and we really focus in on cyber use cases, what clients are looking to achieve, you know, such as external threats or compromise accounts or insider threat programs. And we don't put all the logs in your organization to the platform. We only put the, the logs that meet those use cases. And then we, we, we run the, uh, the machine learning on that. And that helps your analysts, if they're a level one analyst, be more proficient and reducing risk within the organization. A couple of key things what are important to Exabeam. Um, you know, obviously, uh, certain log files are, uh, certain um, log sources are important to us, such as uh, context, you know, looking at AD, so understanding, you know, uh, what a user does, what application they use, what business unit they're in, um, some of that context and running machine learning across that. And then the second is really looking at, um, you know, uh, you know, Windows logs, VPN logs, EDR logs, those types of, those types of logs, and then running the solution by it, you know, but most of our POCs, what we do, um, we're finished within a four week period. Um, and we're really focusing on four to five log sources and proving that within in an organization. Um, like I mentioned before, it's a, it's a um, use case-based approach. So what we would tend to do is, you know, let's deliver, you know, stopping phishing attacks within your organization by ingesting those logs. And then, you know, within that quarter, then let's add more logs to the platform to, you know, look after ransomware attacks or compromise insider or insider threat. So it's kind of like a um, crawl, walk, run, but you can get value within the platform and deliver a use case within a month. And then you can add to those use cases um, during your journey. So this question for Bob, Bob, um, when people are using Exabeam, are they concentrating on a particular threat? Uh, for instance, uh, an insider threat uh, from disgruntled employees, for example, or maybe people are just uh, concentrating on phishing and email, or maybe they're just looking at trying to stop uh, a particular attack vector for ransomware. So are people just concentrating on one particular use case, if you like, at a time? I wouldn't say about the use case, but it, it's probably a, a better way to kind of put the analogy is how do you know something is, is wrong? And probably the, the best way to give you the characterization is if you've bought a new vehicle, whether it's a, a moped or a motorcycle or even a car, um, the first time you drive that vehicle, you drive it very slow. You drive it differently than you would if you've been driving it for the past six months or a year or two years. And it's only because the nuance of how does it steer, how does it turn, um, what are the blind spots from your mirrors from looking forward or looking over your shoulder, how does that all change your operation and movement of going forward with that momentum? And over time, you yourself learn that this is the way the car handles, this is how much I can use it to stop. If I brake really hard, it's even more compressed in that stopping distance. Um, so if I was to tell you from driving that car from day one to drive day six, you would know the difference and be able to tell me without much doubt that, okay, you can hit the brakes now and we're not going to hit the car in front of us. That same kind of view, when you look at machine learning, is the same thing that happens. So if you hear a sound that is not normal, 
you know right away something is wrong, either a flat tire, you've thrown a belt, or you've got some something wrong with the engine because you learned the baseline of what's normal. That's exactly the same way that machine learning works in an environment is Bob Renee, every time he um, logs in, when he wakes up in the morning, he opens up his email, he opens up a browser, um, and then he goes to uh, print out a couple of things, maybe to the printer, and then he goes to his CRM tool, and then I go to look at any other notifications within Teams. That behavior becomes quite normal, and even more so, it's normal within my peer group. So the activity that changes all of that baseline becomes like a beacon and you can see it and then flag it, right? So Bob Rene is in Colorado and now he's starting to access file shares that exist in New York. Is that normal behavior for Bob? No, it's not. So let's bubble that up as a risk score. But just asking a file share is not necessarily risky behavior. It's just out of normal for Bob. Uh, to play devil's advocate a bit um, for my next question, what about, let's say, if I've got a network where normal things, for want of um, a better adjective, aren't necessarily happening? For instance, I might be talking about a manufacturing plant that, I'm a, that I might be running that's running old industrial Internet of Things devices, and so we've got all sorts of network protocols chatting away, you know, and we've got kind of half-duplex, uh, slow TCP IP, and, and, and that kind of thing. I mean, by definition, if I've got something odd already, um, is something um, going to be flagged up all the time as something out of the ordinary, or or will the Exabeam platform learn and then be able to flag anomalies? And I, I wouldn't say just be able to cope. I'd actually say abundantly and resourcefully be able to identify what would be out of norm, and and, and that's and that's actually clear through some of our customers in the deployment. Uh, I mean. The, the best thing and the coolest thing about what we do is we've got this customer base that we've already been deploying very mature modeling for activity and behavior focused on security. And when we see deltas to that, it filters into the rules very, very clearly, very, very cleanly. So it doesn't matter whether it's IoT, IO, um, you know, OT, or even traditional user space, even data center to um, from pharmacy or production or a brewery uh, or car manufacturing, all those deltas um, start to feed into the same kind of models because the core information of service initiated, service disconnected, um, communication from point A to point B, that is normal behavior. But if I see communication to point A to point B in that same service, all of a sudden now is propagating to 400 devices that it wasn't talking to before, beacon we've got a flag something is something is happening what i'm getting coming over from what you guys have said today and also the ways that you're saying it is that there's very much a business focus uh, to the way that exabeam goes about not only its marketing but also about its engineering approach are the questions that you guys are being asked by your potential customers um, are they coming from the c-suite are they coming from higher up decision makers or are they talking about you know the um, security professionals the security engineers kind of further down the the pecking order yeah, there's definitely the the C-suite looking to actually achieve 
you know, results within their SOC. You know, there, there's so many times when you talk to the C-suite and they're like, I spend all this money on security tools. I've got 50 security tools in my organization. You know, I, I still don't know if I'm secure yet. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, having an outcome-based approach and, and delivering those outcomes helps them go present that back to the board, right? That we've actually achieved this. Um, but we also spend a, a lot of time on, um, you know, the, the grassroots with the analysts, right? You know, analysts, you know, do manual tasks. If they do an investigation, um, you know, they may have to do around 700 queries in a logging platform to try and build an instant timeline, what we do automatically, right? So what we're showing for analysts is that, you know, we're going to be doing all the the boring mundane jobs so then you can actually focus in on what's actually happening and also um you know go on the offensive looking at threat hunting within your organization so um both both avenues that, that we talk about the the other uh probably really interesting part and i've never had this in any company i've ever worked with before is when XBeam was first launched back in 2015, we were launched at a Splunk conference um, to add analytics on top of Splunk. And then 2016, we were QRadar's partner of the year for adding analytics on their logging platform. Um, we are the leader in the Magic Quadrant in the last three years, but the 50% of our business is still augmenting all my competitors in the Magic Quadrant. Um, so we do something completely unique what our competitors do not do in the magic quadrant and 50% of our business is actually sitting on top of a security operations today, running on Splunk or Q radar or logarithm or whatever they're using out there, even Sentinel. Yeah. So I guess the next logical step is that once an anomaly has been noticed, it's you know investigated and there might be a red flag raised uh, and then maybe a need for remedial action. You know, what happens at that stage? I mean, does the red flag process, if you like, kind of wave and then gracefully retire? Um, or does the system sort of hand off to something else for remediation? What's the next step, as it were, for a team? Yeah, so with the with anomalies, um, what you find is that, you know, it could take five hours before... Um, the SOC is engaged by uh, alert what they're getting from their endpoint solution. But with machine learning and statistical analysis, we may raise a notable user or a notable device within an hour where then the, the teams will get engaged quicker, right? So we're, we're not waiting for uh, alert um, to, to get engaged. We're, we're looking at the behavior and then raising it based on risk um, analysis of every single user and every single endpoint of every application in the organization for the SOC to get engaged. So it's, it's slightly different than the question what you asked on, on the alerts. The alerts are, are part of the timeline. So yes, um, there, you know, if there any alert, what is happening from any of your uh, security controls, what you have in the platform, that will go into our timeline and that'll enrich our timeline. Um, but you know, that, that may be an afterthought because we may have the, the team engaged before the alert happens. So next question, it's a bit of a killer, I guess. What's around the corner for, for Exabeam? My guess is you'll be working on your ML algorithms further. Wild guess. You tell me, what's, um, what's coming up over the horizon for you guys? 
I'd like to actually use that to to be able to give it a, a business style tone, right? So from from a perspective of evolu evolution, let's look at the past to help us predict the future. Um, you know, 20, 25 years ago, when I first started working in a security operations center, we called it the Network and Operations Security Center, right? Um, it was year 2000. We were waiting for this big thing to hit, and nothing really came out of it. But, but the consolidation of effort for network operations and uptime, and if there was a security in in incident, that we had people to be able to respond. That evolution transitioned into what what would most people would consider um, as part of SOC 2.0 in the separation of the network operations from the SOC. So now you have the NOC and the SOC and that put more security playbooks and disaster response. And we're now consolidating security consoles for operators to start reviewing alerts and, and managing them. Then you have this SOC 3.0 evolution, which is what a lot of the SIM players are still doing in the market space, which is, they're focusing on on correlation rules and centralizing the data feed into the market space and then allowing a little bit more streamlined incident response and what we call SOAR 1.0, which is allowing this automation and the playbooks that they were developing before just doing a light automation. And then they do some of that proactive management of vulnerability assessment and scanning. Now, the SOC has been, and each time is being asked to do more with less resources. Um, and as we know, there's 2.5 million open jobs in cyber today that can't be filled. Just the people aren't there, the training isn't there uh, to help fill those. So we're asking our universities and our high schools to start getting engaged in, in cyber sooner. So our role in that space is now what we call SOC 4.0 is we're focusing on more business alignment into the organization. So the outcomes that Gareth is talking about is, let's focus on the business outcomes, operational uptime, including a lot more automation with that analytics over, overlay to help you make smarter decisions, because now you have clarity in context for that delivery. And even more so, you have persona context. Bob Renee is a CTO, Gareth is in sales, they have different rules and privileges across the organization. Let's group them with their like peers. And then they're also, the SOC is starting to do fraud investigations. The evolution of this market space um, in what we're doing and helping drive some of that change is to reduce the effort of the operator to make intelligent decisions, right? And be able to forecast better before problems become large extend push that timeline out of automation and there's even been studies that show that if you introduce automation in machine learning you don't just cut your your time in half you cut it down to about a third of an entire incident life cycle and we're starting to prove that plus more as professionals uh, lifelong professionals in this particular uh, sector why is there that skills gap um, in the cyber cybersecurity space, is it because careers are seen as horribly geeky and sort of you know for a particular type of bloke, and it's always a bloke, you know? Um, what's um, what's your take on that situation? Yeah, I think you know when I started in this industry, I looked after the big four banks, and the big four banks in Australia had you know SISOs and large security teams, and they still do now. But you know, 
since I moved on from, from that organization the last eight years, you look at um, most of the other top 200 uh, ASX companies have now really started investing more and more into cyber. Um, and you, you notice that um, with the pandemic and moving everything to cloud and, and the amount of cyber attacks and everything would have increased, you know, every single day, like personally, we get text messages that a package has arrived, click on this link and you haven't ordered anything and <laughs> just so much garbage coming through, right? Um, when I look at what the universities are doing, um, is completely changed. And, and I think that skill shortage will be filled with new generations of people. If you look at Deakins in University, for example, and, and some of the other universities around Australia, there's a lot of advertisement. Um, there's a lot of advertisement for cybersecurity jobs. Um, I did fail to convince my niece um, that she should uh, look at cybersecurity because I thought she'd be very good at it and she went into pharmaceuticals. So I did fail, <laughs> fail doing that. But um, and that's kind of where your first point was. Maybe people thought back then um, when I was pitching it to her six years ago that it wasn't as sexy and it wasn't as fun. But uh, I think things now um, with universities really investing in cybersecurity curriculum, I, I feel that there will be a, a new generation and, and even the Australian uh, military has a cybersecurity um, university where, where they're teaching, you know, uh, military personnel on cybersecurity. And once those people come into, um, into uh, enterprises and stuff, they'll have a good background to, to work in the corporate world. Um, there's some good CISOs who I know have a police and military background and detectives who, who are now sizes. So I'm, I'm optimistic that um, we'll be filling the skill shortage, but I, I still think that, you know, making things fun for uh, people within your organizations, not to do uh, boring tasks and, and, and making cyber fun so it's, they can investigate quicker and it's not as laborious. Um, and that's what XVM does, uh, I think is, is a big a big part of retention of good staff too. Now maybe, I don't know, maybe people want to move sideways to get into cybersecurity, uh, systems administrators wanting to retrain, developers retraining maybe. I'm guessing there are various ways that uh, people can move sideways in their careers and get into cybersec. Um, it, one thing I I'd probably uh, would say is that we do run uh, monthly capture the flag investigation um, seminars where uh, students can go on and they can log in and they can they can go through different scenarios. Um, and it's funny when we're, we're at a conference in Sydney last week, um, we had some students come by and you know they were ladies and, and they were really keen to do a capture the flag and we gave them the information and, and hopefully they, they come on to that capture the flag. but you know any any students or anyone listening to, um, the podcast here and wants, wants to actually learn more about XVM from an investigation standpoint. We do host technical um, capture the flag seminars all the year long. You know, please come to our website and, and um, register and, and we'd be happy to have you on there, uh, hopefully to, uh, to, to win some uh, capture the flag uh, rewards. And even better yet, we would challenge you to do it. Um, there was a, a CISO who is more business oriented and um, he's he always admitted that he was a technologist and he joined and started actually answering some of the questions and then he was 
starting he started the competitive nature of the of the event started to get to him and he was winning and beating his team in answering some of the questions by digging around in the technology actually doing some threat hunting and it changed his perspective that he had more knowledge than he expected but now it's just drawing it into a clear line of this is how you do things <laughs> so a flip in the traditional roles in which c-suite managers um, are actually showing their skills then I, I I like that challenge, but at that point, um, I, I mean, everything we're ever trying to do is promote good, um, I would say fidelity is probably the better thing, especially as we're on podcasts, we're talking about fidelity in, in voice, but fidelity in being able to make better decisions about your organization and the risk profile you're doing, the more information, the better. But even for the students that Garris was talking about, I, I, we want you and encourage, highly encourage you to join um, because it, it only helps you in the future. Even if you have nothing to do with Exabeam ever again, you now have a better perspective of people that are helping protect your data for any kind of te- technology company, whether it's Apple in their organization, if you're using an iPhone or Google and an Android, and they're trying to protect your personal information, your credit card, your bank, it's getting that perspective of what they're doing and you can empathize and help them and even help yourself in better security. We'd love to be able to have and engage with the community for that. So as usual, folks, um, links to the um, Exabeam Capture the Flag, amongst other links um, in the show notes. I guess, really, I'll have to draw things to a close, I'm afraid. Thanks ever so much, guys, uh, for joining us today. It's been absolutely brilliant. And thank you as well, listeners out there um, who've given us your time today. Thank you to you too. And um, I hope you found today's discussion really interesting. I know I have. Um, Why don't you join us next time on the Tech Means Business podcast? Bye for now. (laughs) 